two English majors walk into a bar is created by immature adults for other immature adults. Listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar, a literary comedy podcast. I'm Kathleen Brumbach. And I'm Christian Lutz. I would definitely do opium with Oscar Wilde. I would get arrested with Oscar Wilde. (laughs) Worth it. People used to tell me I talked about books too much. And now you drink about books. (laughs) Is it time to get lit? Let's get lit. Oh my gosh, we we just got in the perfect mood because we were discussing <laughs> because Christian misunderstood as we're discussing. I'm not even that far in on the wine. Oh, oh my god, no. Speaking of the alcohol, I am actually drinking for this episode. I gotta think it of has, a good drinking game. Oh my god, it's been that kind of week. And I am going to crack it into the mic. Let's- if this works, I will be impressed. Ooh, listen to that sizzle. It's a hard cider. Oh my goodness. I was like, you have something canned? This isn't wine. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a hard cider. It's actually the hard cider that was left over from when you were here. <laughs> I'm far too much of an alcoholic for that to still have been in my fridge. <laughs> it's been months. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> cheers. We are covering Jane Eyre cheers. today, baby. Think. We should probably introduce ourselves. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot. I'm Kathleen. Kathleen's Brock. actually had a whole bar- bottle of wine prior to this. Like, <laughs> I know it's the first time I'm drinking something other than wine on the podcast. I know it's crazy. Wine will come later. Yes. Oh my God. No, I I have a bottle of Whispering Angel in the fridge, but I don't know what that. It's it's a rosé. But yeah, who are you, Christian? I am Christian Lutz, and I'm Kathleen Brumback taking a drink of my hard cider. <laughs> and we are two English majors. Walk into a bar. A literary comedy podcast. Yay! Oh my Woo-hoo. god, I I was telling Christian I needed this today. I needed to like dig into some literature that I, I think it's fair. We I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both actually love like hardcore love. Jane Eyre. Yes, Jane Eyre. It's my favorite book. What of all time? Even more than Little Women. Yeah, Little Women's like it's good, but I think I love Little Women because it's the first book. Okay, so there's lots of personal history with Little Women. That was one of the first novels I read by myself. My mom read it to me before I read it myself. Like, there's a lot of emotional connection. Jane Eyre is just like creepy little women. <laughs> yes, it is. It. I was saying before before we started the call. It's there's so many so much crossover between Little Women and I think maybe like the lives of the Bronte sisters. I haven't. Yeah, really read that much about the Bronte sisters. Just watch the movie. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I've seen. I, I don't worry. I've seen all the movies. Um, I've I've read parts of Wuthering Heights. Parts. Yeah, parts of it. I never okay, made it all the way her. through. Never made it all the way through. And I actually, I have never read all of Jane Eyre, but <gasps> I, I have read the play adaptation. Okay. Give it to you. So yeah. So I I was really obsessed with the 2015. Um, I think it's called the. Oh, that movie was so good. Like the movie that came out around that time that was based off the play adaptation. Was it? Was it the film? I think it was based play from play. the National Theater. Probably. I don't know. No. It... No. No. Hang on. I'm time to Google. Oh my goodness. We're already getting into Google. This is. Oh, very... I'm thinking 2011 is the movie that came out, and I thought it was based off of. The... No, no, this was no, 20. This be. was 2015, and this was like a super stylized uh, play where there's like disembodied voices, and I think there's puppets, and it's just very, very cool. But yeah, I got obsessed with that. I did a monologue from it. It was one of my most favorite monologues 
that I've ever performed in my entire life. I didn't book any of those auditions. So, <laughs> but it was fun. It was. It was very, very fun. Uh, and I would go back to doing that monologue. I love it. I so that's what matters. Yeah, it's the um, the. Do you think I am an automaton, a machine without feelings? And then she goes on to be like, though I am plain and simple and little, I have just as much fire in my blood as you. I don't remember the exact monologue, but she's basically standing up to Rochester for the first time. Yeah. I never thought the character of Jane Eyre was that stupid. You know, she calls herself simple pretty frequently. I think she lacks confidence, but the rest doesn't seem. I think she's a motherfucking savage. (laughs) Well, we'll figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> you're doing <laughs> you did that i don't know i don't know what it was but i did it back <laughs> just doing hand gestures at each other but like little claw hands i don't little know claw hand. yeah. Little, yeah, the, these are the little claw hands of of 1847 we, ha- we aren't even drunk yet <laughs> i think that we should come up with a drinking game since you're actually drinking yes 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 the the novel is so Dickensian. I, I'm almost tempted to be like, drink every time bad luck happens. I like that one. That's, we're going to be very drunk at the end of this. I know. I know. It's like bad Perfect. luck on bad luck on bad yeah. luck. Oh, my goodness. So uh, scrolling through the Wikipedia page, I had just like 30 second summary at the top. Basically, Jane Eyre is a novel about Jane Eyre. Uh, written by yes. Charlotte Bronte. Yes, a famous uh, for being one of the Bronte sisters. Yes. Shockingly, they were not a girl group. Like they, they should have been. Yeah, they didn't do any singing. And honestly, if they were I born think... in the 80s. They probably would have been a hair band. Exactly. Honestly, I think Google is doing them dirty because when you Google Bronte sisters, the portraits of them that show up are like. I have to Google. They're ugly. Like they're scowling in every single one of those portraits. <laughs> Although I do it's think true. it's, I think it's really badass. So like those portraits, they would probably cost a lot of money. Like back in the day, not everybody got to have a portrait painted of them. And so how badass would it be for you to just have like a portrait of you scowling or like doing duck face? And then you have that in your house. They do look like they're, they're actual photos. They don't look as angry. But then you look at the portraits and they all look stuck up. <laughs> I know. Honestly, this. OK, we need to we need to help these ladies out because this is unfair. The injustice of this, because everybody's like, oh, it's like women who finally have like independence and like money and power. And they're like bitches who are like frowning all the time. And it's like, no, they are like empowered, beautiful women who are frowning all the time because of society and they don't have to smile. They don't have to smile if they don't want to, but we, yep. we could, we could improve their image eh. by, by having like, maybe just like them on a beach, like one photo <laughs> of them on a beach. We're going to Photoshop them onto a beach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Photoshop the brother sisters frowning on onto a beach. beach. I am just, I'm so in love with this genre. And I mean, everybody knows like my, my favorite, favorite book of all time is Frankenstein. And I was telling Christian that I like I, I do kind of consider Jane Austen, Mary Shelley and the Bronte sisters to be in the same genre, but they are so different. And like, yeah, Jane Austen is not invited to the like cute goth girl party. Yeah, no, I don't think she I think she'd be the one that show up in pink. She would. 
Honestly, she would. And like, we would embrace her. We would embrace her, but like, she doesn't get like an invite in it. She doesn't get like the calendar invite. (laughs) She just kind of shows up on her own time. Yeah. Yeah. She does not get the Outlook calendar invite to come to the goth girl party. (laughs) But Charlotte Bronte and Mary Shelley, I feel like they would have been really good friends. I know there's probably like 40 years difference between them. But I feel like they would have been good friends. And Jane Eyre is such a great example of just a creepy, spooky, and like bittersweet. It's a strange book. It is. It is. Which is is why I love it. Yes. All right. Well, should we we get into it? Should we hop right into the plot? Did you want to do the 30-second summary? Oh, oh, shit. I was doing the (laughs) 30-second summary. I was just like... We got distracted by the photos. I know. It turned into like a 10-minute summary. Oh, goodness. Um, but yes, it is. Uh, let's see. 30 second summary. This is a story all about the interior thoughts of a lonely, plain girl who turns out to be a badass. Pretty good. <laughs> Just bad childhood. And then, mm-hmm. and then goes on to find an abusive partner. I have my qualms about her partner, but you know, well, we'll I think everybody that. does at this point. Like, he's not a mm-hmm. good guy. Like, there's a reason he only has like three sentences in his character description for this Wikipedia page. That's true. He's just yeah. a guy. So we'll jump right in. So Jane Eyre, you were introduced to her when she's 10 years old. She's living at Gateshead Hall, which is interesting how they break down. I guess you have to break it down in some way, but they break down the book by where she lives. She's living with her uncle's family, the Reeds, as a result of his dying wish. But Christian, she's- why is she living with the Reeds? Because it's like a Disney movie. She's an orphan. Because her parents died. Everybody drank. Did we introduce our drinking game or did we just talk about that amongst ourselves? I don't know. If no, we... I think we said it. I think we, we came we? up okay. with the drink. Yeah, Girl, are you that drunk? We've been on air. You know this is recorded. For like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're drinking when sad things happen. Got it. Yes, okay. Her so parents are dead. Everybody drank. Because they had typhus. The other drinking game we could have done is every time someone gets sick. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Everybody's. Oh, God. England at this time was just like, they they had the typhus bad. Yeah, they did. So um, her aunt and cousins and uncle do not have the typhus. The uncle is really nice to her. The aunt is a bitch and she teaches the kids to be mean to her and not associate with them. Yeah, so, huge bitch. Yeah. So um, she becomes very judgmental against her aunt's cruel judgment. And her only ally is her nursemaid, Bessie. Um, and she still gets in trouble a lot apparently she's very unhappy as a kid and she defends herself against bullying her cousin when they're bullying her and she gets locked into the red room i remember the red room from the book yes so scary yeah it's like where her uncle died and it's supposed to be super like creepy very like yeah intense yeah Um, and and like oh my god talk about there's just like rampant child abuse yeah so they lock her in there because she's afraid of it so that's like the that's the way they punish her when she fights back um and she insists she sees his ghost and then she faints and then there's a like a line here it says the red room is significant because it lays the grounds for ambiguous relationship between parents and children, which plays out in all of Jane's future relationships. Oh God. So childhood trauma gives her daddy issues. <laughs> childhood trauma. <laughs> she carries it with her for the rest yeah. of her life. Well, and also like how, you know, ahead of its time is this novel, number one, depicting the interior mental um, journey of a woman which was something that, you know, like most, even like 
Dickens, you know, was writing about uh, kind of uh, like just a lot of like exterior plot. Yeah. And this is a lot of like interior plot inside her mind. And, and she's a woman, which like at that time, people were still like, wait, women have independent thoughts? <laughs> they can do what? They can think? That's true. Because I mean, at this time, you still had, um, you know, medical care was being that, that the women were going to very violent places because yeah. they were thought to be too provocative or things like that, which isn't, it's interesting thinking about this being such a central thing about like a, a woman, not just a woman, but a girl growing up. A coming okay, of age novel. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So anyway, so she's attended by an apothecary, Mr. Lloyd, who tells her aunt after hearing how unhappy Jane is that she should just send her to school. And her aunt's like, hell yeah, let's get the kid out of this house. So she uh, sends her to Lowood Institution. It's a charity school for girls where they have a really harsh like headmaster um, or director, whatever. And then he, she tells Mr. Brockhurst is the head, like the headmaster's name she tells him yeah. that jane has a tendency to de- tendency to deceit so he assumes that she's lying about everything and she she leaves she goes to school whatever well and mr brocklehurst is just like deeply deeply disturbed himself yeah. and and also this school is all about like um like christianity and like christian beliefs and like just a super radically religious school dangerously so because these children obviously and it's kind of like a orphanage yeah it's all for orphan girls orphan and poor girls so like the treatment is that like basically you're gonna beat the the poverty out of them um (laughs) right well and like in beating the poverty out of them beating like christianity into them which was a very much a thing in the 19th century yeah so anyway so she goes to this torture torturous school and she makes one friend and she yeah she has a friend there i mean there's some like little things that happen to school but i feel like the school's not really that important except for knowing that she was really abused there um yeah well and helen because Hel- helen yeah, is the little that's friend true. and yeah helen, helen is her friend she yeah she's important later yes helen is the little girl that she's friends with and she's kind of like the example even though there's all these adults at the school who are like trying to beat the christianity into jane there's this little girl named helen who like actually is a good and like quote moral person and yeah. she's truly like completely she influences the way that jane like decides who she is and right yeah. right and she's completely like an innocent child and yeah. sadly she will die also of typhus of course everyone does everybody does. um <laughs> you're getting ahead of yourself though kathleen we're not there I'm sorry yet. i'm sorry <laughs> so before helen dies <laughs> mr brocklehurst who's like not actually at the school most of the time comes to visit and um jane tries to be inconspicuous but accidentally drops her slate and draws attention to herself and then she's forced to stand on a stool is branded as a sinner and a liar yeah for a long period of time and then one of the teachers miss temple oh she's the superintendent so mr brockers is the director she's the superintendent she like facilitates jane's public defense and publicly clears her name because that's necessary when you're punished for dropping your slate um yeah and then- apparently and it's like they have like i don't know just like all the bullshit red tape of it yeah. of, like you need to like have like a court and a jury. But to I kind of feel like child. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a commentary on what women were allowed to do because Brocklehurst just comes in, doesn't know anything about what's happening. And this woman has to jump through hoops to prove that a child is not horrible because she dropped her slate. Like the girl is disbelieved. The woman who is in charge is disbelieved and they have to put up a fight in order to even be heard. So I feel like there's some like feminism happening there. Yeah, I agree. But um, so they and with the time they that this book was written, they encouraged Jane, Helen and Miss Temple encouraged Jane to not have not hold a grudge again for the harsh treatments that she's faced there. So, yeah, there's a lot boom. of a lot of that in this. Yeah, because it was a lot of like w- kind of the similarities with Little Women. It was a time where it was really thought that you would teach women, teach girls how to behave through the books they were reading. But I think that what Charlotte Bronte is doing here, she's calling out like the gas light yeah. nature of like putting these women through hell and then telling them like, oh, you're not allowed to hold a grudge about it because like that's not ladylike. Yeah. Well, then they all die. So <laughs> yeah, not Brocklehurst. So I feel like well, and not I don't Jane. Know if that's commentary. Not yeah. Jane. So they, because they all get sick. There are 80 students is what it says. There are 80 students and they are subjected to cold rooms, poor meals and thin clothing. So a lot of them get typhus and then Helen dies of consumption in Jane's arms. She dies literally yeah. in her arms. But because of the deaths, Brocklehurst's mistreatment of students is discovered. The benefactors who are supposed to be like helping are like, no, 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 that's not cool. And then they put in a management committee to moderate Brocklehurst and the conditions in the school improved dramatically. So bad things happen. No one listens to women. They're told not to <laughs> not to be unhappy about it. Then they all die. But in the end, the man is slapped on the wrist. So exactly. things get a little bit better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like our anger toward this is you can tell where we're at this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if we were having a great week. Um, (laughs) The rage. No, what something that on how badass she is. Something that went when I read the play and when I first became aware of this novel, like it really feels like Jane has so much like quote feminine rage, Mm -hmm. and she's finding places for that to kind of like live inside of her and like be yeah released in an acceptable way into the world, and finds that there is no acceptable way. You know, and I and we're still sure. there. Yep. Next place we go is Thornfield Hall. Yes. She uh what is she like eighteen now? She let's hope she's eighteen. Um, she was I don't know exactly how old she was. At the beginning of the book, she was ten. And yeah, so I think she's at least eighteen because after six years as a student and two as a teacher at Lowood, she leaves in pursuit of a new life. Miss Temple has left her at that point because she's gotten married. Jane advertises her services as a governess in a newspaper. And a housekeeper, Alice, at Thornfield Hall tells her to come take a position teaching um, Adele Varna, Varens, Varen? Yes. Her last name, I've just always known her as Adele. I've never yeah. even known so Adele. her last name. Adele. Um, she's like Cher or, you know, Adele. Because I don't Adele. know Adele's last name. This is, this <laughs> this is, is actually the, <laughs> the singer, Adele. Um, anyway, so one night, Jane's carrying a letter to the post from Thornfield and a with a horseman and a dog passer. The horse slips on ice and throws the rider. Jane helps him get back onto the horse. And later back at Thornfield, she realizes that man is Edward Rochester, master of the house. Mr. Rochester. Um, Adele was left in his care when her mother, a famous dancer, abandoned her. 
it's not immediately apparent whether Adele is Rochester's daughter or not. Um, So we don't know. Probably a child of an affair. Who knows? Who knows? But like (laughs) Mr. Rochester, he's fucking around all the time. Yeah. Like it's obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah (laughs) she has some daddy issues oh my god i'm i'm refilling my (laughs) glass right now (laughs) necessary so jane's first meeting with rochester he teases her accusing her of bewitching his horse to make him fall and jane's like um no check yourself like don't be an asshole and like no (laughs) check yourself (laughs) oh my god yes and this this first meeting just like with um uh, wait oh my god why am i blanking mr darcy and um elizabeth bennett yes <laughs> just like with i darcy. don't even like the book <laughs> i know just like with darcy and elizabeth like this first meeting they're so infamous. sassy yeah it's yeah. so sassy and it's infamous see but this is not my favorite rochester and jane's scene we'll get to it really? we'll get to it yeah okay. no it's not um i like when he pretends to be the fortune teller I don't oh. know why that's I so fucked up, but Shit, yeah, yeah. God, he's uh, it's very entertaining. He's yeah. weird. He's got some trouble. Like I really enjoy this book, but it is full of un- a very unhealthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, so they meet. They're sassy. They're like, you know what? This is kind of fun. And then they get along very well. So they start enjoying each other's company and spending many evenings together. They're fucking probably. No, because that's like the whole thing is there's like the sexual tension between the two of them because they're not having sex yet. They want to, but you know, he works, she works for him. Um. <laughs> well, okay. No, that's another thing too. Is like the, um, uh, I remember it was a part of an acting class and I don't know why, but we got super into the politics one time of being a governess. Yeah. In like Victorian and kind of like post-Victorian, especially in novels, <laughs> maybe not so much in real life, but it was very romanticized. Right. It was very romanticized. And part of the reason was because of uh, like the social class situation. Mm-hmm. So being a governess was one of the only ways that a single female could earn money for herself yeah. by being like a teacher or a governess. It was one of the only ways that you could do that. And the governess in like the household of servants and like you know because you have like the upstairs downstairs of you know classes of people in a house at this time so if you were like the head butler you would have certain privileges Mm -hmm. other servants at the house would not have and if you were the governess you were kind of like the most like the highest ranking servant and you almost like weren't a servant and yeah because you were present all the time in all of those social circles right and so it was a way for you to like launch yourself from a lower class to like a middle class upper class and I wonder how much that actually happened in real life and how much of that is you know like the the Cinderella story where the poor girl is a maid in a person's house you know like we still have those stories today and I wonder how much of it was like reality versus how much was you know, the dream to keep the working class, like trying to move forward kind of thing. Well, Um, I I do think like we do have evidence and like we talked about in that class of like women who worked as governesses and who could earn their own money and they mm -hmm. did marry that. I I, I think it was very rare that they married like the widower of the house. That was rare, but they did marry men of a much higher 
social class than they had started out being yeah. earlier in life. Yeah. And it was easier then to, to leave your social class and social standings to like move to a new city and just pretend to be someone else. And have which your is what own a lot money. of people who did. Yeah. And you had right. your own money. So you didn't have to rely on anyone else. Right. Um, okay. So, so she meets him. She's financially independent. Go Jane. <laughs> um, yes. She's a bad bitch. But weird shit starts happening all over the house. She hears strange laughter. There's a mysterious fire in Rochester's room from which Jane saves Rochester by rousing him and throwing water on him and an attack on a house guest named Mr. Mason. One, why is she anywhere near his room? Like that always, I guess, whatever. But they were fucking. I guess so. Um, After she saves him, he thanks her. (laughs) They were having. going to go on. (laughs) (laughs) They were having like weird. I wish people could see your hand motions around the microphone right now. They were having, like, there was no sexting at the time, but they were, like, talking to each other through the bedroom door. That's probably what's happening. Yeah. So he's very happy and emotional that she saved him. And she feels a lot of strange emotions toward him. But then the next day, he leaves. Oh, yeah. For a party. Yeah. Cool. Commitment issues. Yep. So he's like, oh, thank you so much. I love you. Bye. And... He returned several days later with a lot of people, including beautiful and talented Blanche Ingram. And just as she realizes that she's in love with Rochester, Jane sees that he and Blanche favor each other and starts to feel jealous, particularly because she also sees Blanche as snobbish and heartless. Uh, this is Baroness Trader from um, uh, Sound of Music, where like she like she's in a relationship with the dad. and. Yeah. Cap- Captain Von Trapp. I was like, wait, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Captain something. She's in a relationship with Captain Von Trapp. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to marry the nanny. And she's like, and she's I'm, like, Mm-mm. I'm Mm-mm. sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> what? I think they skip over. They do. They skip over the best scene. So my favorite scene. <laughs> Tell us about lay it on me. Because I'm pretty sure it happens here. Unless I just haven't read far enough ahead. I think it, it happens here. So when they come back from the party. This is how, like, Rochester's fucked up. Like, this man has some issues. He comes back with the group, and he's like, oh, I also brought this, like, person who's going to read our fortune. And then he goes and dresses up as a person who reads fortunes and reads fortunes for all the women, including Jane. And it's, like, this super fucked up thing where he's, like, telling her that she's in love with him. And we got moves laughing. (laughs) It's so so cringy. And then she's like... Oh, it's probably right. I think the joke of the scene is that they all know, like all the women know, but like, but she doesn't a typical man who thinks he's getting away with it, (laughs) but it's, but it's told from Jane's perspective, which this is the only scene where I thought maybe she actually was simple because (laughs) like, I'm sure that he thought he was getting away with a lot and maybe they were all just playing along and she really only known him for a short period of time. Maybe she just doesn't know what he looks like. So like a scarf over the head. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's like the, the um, what, like Shakespearean. The Clark Kent effect. Yeah. The Shakespearean <laughs> facial blindness. Yeah. Of, like guess. somebody puts a hat on and then nobody else in the play knows who they are. <laughs> you I know. guess people always think that. Moobs looks completely different with a beard. So maybe it's like that. <laughs> he shaved his face and everybody was like, oh, different person. Definitely a woman. I uh. <laughs> I would choose to read the scene as Jane being like, oh, yes, of course. You're a fortune teller. But I feel like she's totally like, of course, wink, wink. 
Uh, and then she's like, oh, but he's right. I am in love with him. There's some serious issues going on. Like this, toxicity in this relationship is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even if she believes that, or even if she doesn't believe it. But anyway, so they skip over that in the Wikipedia, but that's a great scene. Rude. <laughs> so rude. Okay. So after that all happens, um, Jane rece- receives word that Mrs. Reed, her aunt, has suffered a stroke and is calling for her to return. So she goes back. She stays for a month and tends to her dying aunt. And her aunt confesses that she wronged her, bringing a letter forth from her uncle, Mr. John Eyre. Dun, dun, dun. Plot uh, twist. Uh, which asks her to live with him and be his heir. So, heir. heir. <laughs> <laughs> we are children. <laughs> we can't. We just can't. Like, we're not. Like, we're so, so Like, up there, wherever you are, Charlotte, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Air is the air. We can't. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, it's her fault. She did it. It is. She she made that name that close to that word. (laughs) Um, Wait, is that the point? Bad luck. Wait, we didn't drink to the bad luck before. We got to. I've been drinking the whole. I'm already. That's true. We. It's fine. I'm already Uh, here, girl. (laughs) So, anyways, so she Jane Air is the air, Um, (laughs) and then she says, but Mrs. Reed admits that telling Mr. Eyre that Jane had died of a fever at Lowood. So soon after, Mrs. Reed dies. Jane helps her cousins after the funeral before returning to Thornfield. Back at Thornfield, she broods over Rochester's rumored impending marriage to Blanche Ingram. Does this bitch just dismiss the fact that, did she inherit money? Did she not? Like, the Wikipedia does not tell you. And then they're just I like, oh, but then she's like boy crazy, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I don't exactly know how inheriting money worked at this time, because would she even be able to inherit it? If it was in a will, it's very similar to the way it would work now. Even if like, let's say you, my parents decided that you should inherit all of the money they have and not my siblings, then they could just write a will and say that it's you and not my brothers or my sister. But as a a woman, was she allowed to do that without a husband? Yeah, Yeah, technically. She should have got that bag. She should have like... Yeah, so I I don't know what happened, but... Yeah, so she's been wronged, but she's boy crazy. So she has to go back. She's distracted by Mr. Douchebag. Yeah, I guess so. So, however, while being distracted because he's getting married to someone else, he comes back and he baits her by saying how much he will miss her after he's married and she will soon forget him. And Jane's wow. like, what the fuck? You know I love you. And then he reciprocates and said he only courted Blanche to make her jealous. And then he proposes to her. And Jane is like, something seems fishy. Um, and she, she is. This is some game playing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is intense. This is, yeah, this is the games that you play when you are not emotionally mature enough to be in you a relationship. What? I think we forget that she's eighteen. <laughs> but honestly, he's acting like the eighteen-year-old. He is, but that's probably why she's attracted to it because she's eighteen. That's true. No offense to the eighteen-year-olds out there, but yeah, but they're don't dumb. go for the Rochester's of the world. No, no, and when. <laughs> When I like, I had not read this book when I was younger, but like in college, I became aware oh. of it and probably visited this Wikipedia yeah. page. I thought he was so hot. Like I was like, "Ooh, he's like dark and mysterious. That's hot." I always thought he was a little bit fucked up. I thought he was dark and mysterious and kind of sexy, but also a little bit too fucked up. <laughs> I read, I read one article that I, it might have been in the Wikipedia where like it describes him as a Byronic hero, so like yeah. Byron. Yeah, and like I, I thought that. that. 
Yeah, college Kathleen. You were in love with Byron. So, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You I were. Always, girl, no. Athens. No, always, always in my <laughs> fuck Mary Kill. In my fuck Mary Kill. It was you kill Byron. Yes. You fuck <laughs> you fuck William Blake. You marry Percy Shelley and you kill Lloyd Byron. I don't think I don't want to be the Mary Shelley in this situation. She had a very tragic family life. Percy was kind of Yeah, but she married cocky. him. Yeah, and then he died and their children died with him. Like, I mean, yeah, but he, want that life. out of the three of them, he's the only that's option true. to marry. <laughs> you can't you can't marry William Blake. Like that's that's too goth. I mean, it depends on if you what you you can marry Byron and just be like, we're just gonna have sex with whoever we want because you're never gonna be faithful, and then I'll just take your money. But then who are you? You gonna just kill? have to have like an arrangement. Who are you? Gonna Percy, kill? he's gonna die anyway. What? No. <laughs> He was the least bad. He was the one that like provided money to like Byron's uh, okay. like children that he abused. It depends on what year it is. How yeah. close is Percy death? And how much money does Byron still have? <laughs> what year it is. It depends on the season. If it's cold, if it's over 50 degrees outside. No, but like is Percy close to death? Does Byron still have money? We're just examining their their characters as a person. <laughs> Do you like how I narrowed it down to the two? Because they would either be married or kill. Like they can't be in between. Uh, you can I, like uh, like William Blake would be a good fuck. Yeah, so he stays in that position. Like you just <laughs> you just have to decide who to kill and who to marry. Uh, oh my goodness, this is what it's anyway. like to be an English major. This is what it's like. This is every English major. We class. party hard. Yeah. Um, okay, so Rochester chose who to marry, and I'm pretty sure he fucked Blanche. So you know. Um, oh yeah so he proposes Jane's like meh maybe I don't know you don't seem sincere and then she writes to her uncle John who apparently is still alive no wonder she just went back and was boy crazy because there's no money to inherit because he's not dead and she's like oh "Oh, I'm so happy I'm getting married and then she starts preparing for her wedding and then she's like "Mm, a strange woman's like sneaking into my bedroom at night and uh she ripped my veil in two and Rochester is like oh it's he attributes it to the incident incident to grace pool one of his servants so he's like oh my servant's just crazy like it's fine right the number Um, one the long history of men just like calling women crazy and number two that like we haven't even addressed yet that like part of this novel is a ghost story yeah that's true because yeah because the whole time she thinks it's being haunted because she believes in ghosts she thinks she saw okay i'm so confused then yeah she writes to her uncle john but didn't uncle die when she was a kid I thought it like isn't he her dad's brother? Oh, you're right. So it was maternal maternal oh. aunt that she lived with. Maternal uncle died. John Eyre is her father's brother. Yes. Okay. I just went back. Okay. So John is her father's brother who was writing to the Reeds to make her his heir. So who knows if he had children? So those children don't matter. The Reed children don't matter. No, they don't okay. matter. Anyway, so remember the house guest, Mr. Mason? Yes. Yeah, so Mason comes back at their wedding ceremony and is like, uh, no, 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 no. Rochester can't marry you because he's already married to my sister. Yes, Bertha. he interrupts, boom, boom, he interrupts the, the wedding when they're like, does anybody have any objections to these two people being married? And he's like, me, I, I do. So Rochester's still married to Bertha. And yes. Rochester's like, yeah, it's true. I was just kind of hoping I wouldn't get caught. My father tricked me into marrying her for her money which i now have yeah let's <laughs> let's all drink uh because 
Jane thought she was finally going to be happy getting married to like this like this hot fucked up man. <laughs> yeah, this like hot bad boy and then finds out why he's a bad boy because he's already married and he's got a wife that he's been hiding. Yep. But he just, just so he tells Jane this sob story about how he was forced into marrying her for her money. But once they were united, um, he discovered that she was rapidly descending into genital madness, which mm. I just have to say one thing I recently learned is that when a woman was going crazy or they thought she was going crazy in the 19th century, they literally like that's how dildos were invented. Yeah, <laughs> there's a whole play about this. Yeah, there's a whole you would know the, that. Vi- the vibrator play. You should actually you should read the vibrator. It's like a like fantastic feminist play. Yeah, I've heard of it. I just didn't know that that was what it was about. But yeah. Anyway, so he locked her away in Thornfield, hiring Grace Poole to be her nurse, the one he blames for all of the horrible things. And when Grace gets drunk, Rochester's wife escapes and causes strange things to happen. So I keep her keep her locked up, but it's so stressful and I don't pay this woman too well. So like sometimes she just gets drunk on the job and like I can't let her go because no one else will take care of the crazy. So we just kind of let her out every once in a while. <laughs> we we are Grace. Like if yeah. we were going to play any character in this novel, in the movie adaptation, we would be playing Grace, the drunk maid. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't blame her for getting drunk, though. That's a hard job. And if you it's, never have a break. Yeah, it's a hard job. And like poor Bertha is like, I've never really understood whether she is um, like she she had some type of injury that she has brain damage. Yeah. Or if, or if she, it's like schizophrenia and right. Or if it's like yeah. mental illness, like schizophrenia, Um, we, we throw around the word crazy, but like this is a serious like, you know, like people with mental illness at this time. We're just called mad and then all thrown into the same thing and then right. basically tortured their whole lives. Right. Like this is a kind ending for her, which is very sad. Yeah. Um, but OK, so it turns out that John Eyre, Jane's uncle, is actually friends with Mason So when he got her letter about her impending marriage, he was like, hey, Mason, isn't this the the dude your sister was married to? And so the dude that keeps your sister locked in the attic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought that she was still alive. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Haven't seen her in a decade. Um, (laughs) So after the marriage ceremony is over, Rochester is like, so you can't be my wife, but you want to go to the south of France and be my mistress? And Jane is tempted. But then she's like, I have integrity. And despite all of my passion, I would love to be married to a man. And she doesn't want the man to consume her. I don't believe that with dating Rochester. Um, and then she just the decides audacity. to say, I know. The but audacity. I mean, proud of Jane for saying no in the face of the hot crazy. But also, <laughs> she, just, she doesn't have that much integrity. Just saying. <laughs> she was going to marry the crazy. Wait, but, you mean you mean Rochester being crazy? Yeah, Rochester is crazy in a like toxic, yeah, weird relationship kind of way. Despite the wife, or in addition to being crazy enough to try to marry someone and just hoping it wouldn't be found out that you already have a wife, like he has some other issues going on there. Um, right, right. Well, and like the fact that he lied to her. But I think this is yeah, <laughs> which like he- is I think the big thing is like she decides I can't be married to someone who's already married, and I also have specific values and beliefs, and she decides to hold true to those, which are Christian. So I wonder if that comes from her Lowood uh, time, and then right. she runs away. Yeah, she just dog. takes off like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Nobody's awake. She just leaves. Irish goodbye. Yep, Irish goodbye. She's out, and then she travels with very little money because she saved some, but she doesn't have a lot. And then she accidentally leaves her bundle of possessions in the coach and is forced to sleep on the moor. 
she right, um, which is like just like swampland of like northern England. Yeah, and so she tries to trade her handkerchief and gloves for food, and they're like, nah. Um, she's exhausted and starving, and eventually makes her way to the home of Diana and Mary Rivers, but is turned away by the housekeeper, and then she collapses on the doorstep. And then a clergyman, John Rivers, their brother, rescues her, and she regains her health, and John finds her a teaching position at a village school, um, and she becomes very good friends with them, and John remains aloof. So she's a little upset that he's not girl crazy. Um, she's upset because she, like, she was about to get some good dick. Like, he was toxic, <laughs> but it was it was about to be some good dick. Yeah. And now and she's then, on this side quest. With, and like, he's not even he's, interested. Right. She's on this side <laughs> quest, and she's like, what's up, John Rivers? But we're about to find out that it, it's, it's going to turn yeah. out for the best that she but does not get with maybe. John Rivers. Um, because... Yeah, it does turn out for the best. But so his sisters leave because they got jobs as governesses. And then John becomes closer to Jane. And then he learns her true identity and astounds her by telling her that her uncle has died and left his entire fortune, which is 20,000 pounds. So equivalent of $2.2 million in 2022. That's a lot of money. Um, Did Wikipedia? They did. Oh, they did. They did the conversion. It's very nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when Jane questions him farther, John's like, yeah, so John Eyre says that John is also his and his sister's uncles. They had once hoped for a share of the inheritance, but were left nothing because Jane was left it all. <laughs> and they almost turned her away. Yeah. And she's like, I have family. And she gets very excited and insists on sharing the money equally between them. And then he's like, you know, my cousin would be a great missionary wife. And then he's like, will you marry me and go to India? And not out of love, but out of duty. And she initially accepts because you're going to India, but she rejects the marriage and says they should travel as brother and sister. Yeah, because they're and, cousins. Ew. Yeah. That was a thing at the time, though. <laughs> and then her resolve against the marriage to St. John weakened because she hear- she said she hears Mr. Rochester's voice calling her name. And then she like returns to Thorn. Thor- Thornfield Hall to see if Rochester is okay and finds blackened ruin. Um, yeah, because it burned down because Bertha was like, you were about to marry someone? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So she learns that Adele is in school. Yeah, thankfully um, Adele was not hurt. Like, poor yeah. Adele. She's so cute. And like, so, like, I feel like she's supposed to be like a younger version of Jane. Yeah, except for Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Adele's been sent to school. So she's not even around when the house burns down, which is thankful for her. Um, But his wife sets fire to the house and then jumps off the roof. Um, And he attempts to save the servants and rescue his wife. And he lost a hand and his eyesight in the process. Good. So he's ugly now. He Um, was a fuck boy. He was a fuck boy. And this is what he gets. Yep. But now because he's ugly, he'll be nicer. So she can marry, you know. That's what she does. She reunites with him and he's overjoyed and he fears that she will be repulsed by his condi- condition. And he's like, am I hideous, Jane? And she's like, very, sir. You always were, you know. She's <laughs> like, yeah, you're real ugly. You were always ugly. I didn't think you were cute to begin with. <laughs> so he says, I've always loved you and I've been missing you so much. And she's like, this cool, cool, cool. And he called her name out in despair. And that's what she heard miles away because they have such a great connection. 
And then she's like, Hey, by the way, I'm financially independent and um, I have my own money. So like, I actually love you and I'm not here for your money. And if I wanted to leave you, I could, but I'm not going to. And yeah, then he proposes again. She said, and- I'm here because I want you, not because I need you. Mm-hmm. When I want to get rid of you, you're gone. Yeah. Got my own money. And then they get married because his wife is dead and she has money. So it makes sense. And then they live together in an old house in the woods called Ferdinand Manor. And they stay in touch with Adele. They stay in touch with Adele. What did you say? I d- they stay in touch with Adele. That's what I'm just, that's what I said. But like, you're raising this child. Like suddenly you just ship her off to boarding school and then you keep oh. in touch, sending a letter every six months. Like, what? Yeah, that's, that's kind of, I assumed that she was, how old is Adele? Like she was like 12, wasn't she? Maybe. I don't know. She's young enough to need a governess. I assumed that by this point, she's old enough to be like in high school where she would and, be going and, off to boarding school. But you right. think that like as the person raising her, they okay, so it says the couple stayed in touch with Adele as she grows up, as well as Diana and Mary, who gay each gain a loving husband of their own. And but like you'd think that Adele, as she grows up, that they would be more than just in touch with her. Like Mary just, and Diana, sure, whatever, but like the kid you were raising, you're just like but like people were like that with kids like way so back in the day. It's like like as soon as you were like 13, they were like, goodbye. See yeah. you never. And there's no way Rochester was ever a good father. No, no. <laughs> and like people like they're so rich, like they don't raise their own kids. They hire other people to do that. So like yeah. by the time you're 13, you are basically just done developing. And like yeah. you're Especially an adult. as a woman because they had a son and Rochester regained his sight two years after they got married so that he was able to see their baby. So the son replaced the 13 year old girl. And now they're like, mm, go on your way. And but now they, they gotta... try to like arrange her marriage or anything like nothing. <laughs> I wonder if Adele had to become a governess in order to support herself despite a wealthy uncle and aunt. No, I am. But they're not really uncle. Aunt. Doesn't, you know I, mean? I remember like a part like doesn't Jane like tell him like, oh, like she needs to go to this. Like she changes her schools. Like she was in like a really strict boarding school. And then she was like, no, she needs to go to this school because it's for like enlightened. I don't remember. Like she basically I just remember her being an afterthought. I think she I think it's true that like she she was going to like a really like shitty school that was like strict and like religious. And then Jane was like, she should go to a liberal arts school. <laughs> Get a well-rounded education. Right. And then like Adele and her are like they write letters to which like at the time, like even if it was your like your kid that you like loved and cared for and had a good relationship with. By the time they're 13, they're going to be gone anyway. Only if they were a girl. You keep the sons around. No, you send they send them to like Eaton. I guess. Like Harry Potter. (laughs) Harry Potter. But they come home in the summer and on holidays. Yeah, they do. But like they're basically living their own lives at that point. I guess so. You're 12 years old. You're grown now. (laughs) <laughs> you're grown <laughs> pay your own bills yes that that's the whole the entirety of Jane Eyre oh my god oh <laughs> that was it thank you Christian yeah. thank you for like moving I'm I'm just literally gonna touch like briefly on the rest of the stuff because yeah I feel like um we did this so that I would be faster but I was not faster no like I immediately <laughs> saw that it was like 38 chapters and I was like girl it has to that's be a lot of chapters and only four houses it's all about people traveling back and forth to other people's houses. 
That's all it is. <laughs> right. Now we can get into a little bit of the context. So the one thing I want to touch on here from the Wikipedia page is that Helen is basically like a mirror image of Charlotte Bronte's sister Maria, who died of like some type of like consumptive disease uh, when she was young as well. And so um, this is our our Beth from Little Women. <laughs> like this, everyone died of consumption. It's yeah. just you know. Well, not everyone. Is. Not everyone. It's always like the sweet, innocent younger sister. Yeah. Who dies? The weak ones. But were they really sweet and innocent or are they just too sick to do anything? <laughs> or they just died so young that they didn't have a chance to do anything like rebellious. But yeah, that um, that's kind of like context for that. And then um, Thornfield. I love like Thornfield Hall. Like Charlotte had <laughs> Charlotte, our friend Charlotte. She had <laughs> such an, uh, yeah, she had such an amazing way of making the what is it called? Onomatopoetic where like it sounds like the word that it's we're English majors we should know this but where a word sounds I should but I don't think I did in college either like the meaning <laughs> that it's supposed to convey like thorn field it it's big in the mouth and like you really have to like wrap your lips around it and it sounds like a scary haunted place mm -hmm. and that's where we get all this like lore of the governess that goes to a haunted mansion where things are not as they seem and more house is just super boring so yeah <laughs> more house boring as fuck yep in the morning and she you know she spends a while there and she's like you know what no i can't do this i have to go back to the haunted mansion and the guy with the big dick like <laughs> i know it was exciting yeah <laughs> he's toxic but like and he's missing you know. a hand and he's partially blind. It'll be fine. But that D, though. Got to get that D. <laughs> That's what it's all about. She is really young. <laughs> she is. Yeah. But she has her own money at the end. So mm -hmm. good for her. She's young and rich. Young and rich. Uh, but yeah, another part of the Wikipedia page is the adaptations and influence. Honestly, the Wikipedia page kind of drops the that ball sucks. here. Yeah. yeah. Because like there have been so many films uh, so many play adaptations of this that like they don't even cover it. But I, I do highly recommend uh, the film adaptation, the most recent film adaptation. Is that I the 2011 version? I think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the think only it's... like really good film adaptation. Honestly, I don't love the other. Honestly, I have to give a shout out I, on uh, YouTube today. I watched a little bit of the like, ooh, I want to say like 1940s. Mm, I've never uh, seen the 1940s it, when I get it's like a black and white. I mean, it feels very like it's an Orson Welles film. Feels mm -hmm. very much like an Orson Welles film. But like there's actually some really smart cinematography happening there where they have these like big wide shots of the children at the orphanage and of Jane standing on the stool mm -hmm. at the orphanage. And like the way they use like shadows and big wide shots to make everything feel very like cold and isolated and like very depressing. Yeah. Whoever did cinematography for that film really understood the novel you can tell so like shout out to that's that cool. that's actually uh, it's all on youtube i think so check it out if YouTube you have it yeah youtube it and then the reception <laughs> this is hilarious the wikipedia page so at first everybody was like this is an abomination this is <laughs> anti-christian and they were really mad that it was the story of a woman who had her own money because at the time, that was just considered anti-Christian. But then 
toward the very end of the Wikipedia page, uh, we see a review from The Indicator. And it says, concerning speculation regarding the gender of the author, because Charlotte Bronte wrote under the pen name, uh, what was it, Currer? What was it? Oh, I don't know. She wrote under Currer Bell, C-U-R-R-E-R-B-E-L-L, Currer Bell. So that name, it it could, you know, it's androgynous. It could be a um, man or a woman, neither or both. So the name is not gendered and or at least I don't think it's gendered. I don't even know if Currer is a name or was a name at the time. She wrote under that pen name and this person who's reviewing Jane Eyre writes, we doubt not it will soon cease to be a secret, but on one assertion, we are willing to risk our critical reputation and that this is not uh, and that is that no woman wrote it. <laughs> this was our which was the bigger problem. They just didn't want women thinking for themselves and thinking that they could have independence. So if it was exactly. written by a man, exactly. Totally they say story. this was our decided conviction at the first perusal, and a somewhat mm. careful study of the work has strengthened it. No woman in all the annals of <laughs> feminine celebrity ever wrote in such a style, terse yet eloquent and filled with energy bordering sometimes almost on rudeness, no woman ever conceived such masculine characters as those portrayed here. Interesting. At least not under their own name. Right, not under their own name. But now we know it was a woman. And I I think similar things were written about Frankenstein, you know, because uh, like people later finding out because Mary Shelley was writing under Percy Shelley. So for a good I mean, long in time, Louisa May Alcott wrote like Penny Dreadfuls and things, um, horror stories under a, ma- a pseudonym. Yeah. So I wonder. Name. I wonder if Currer was a, a men's name. I mean, it had to have been at that point, or it was gender neutral enough that like people just assumed that it sounded like a man's name, and then so she got away with writing yeah. under that name. I actually think it's kind of a cute baby name, Currer. She'll. Uh, oh my God, Christian, could you? No, I'm not naming my child Currer. god damn it christian but yeah so um let's see the next part of the wikipedia page is the themes so really important theme but considering bertha is that she is described as uh the like mad quote mad meaning suffering from mental illness creole wife of mr rochester she grew up in the west indies and is thought to be of mixed race descent oh that's interesting yeah and so this you know makes things you know a little bit more complicated when you think of like how the novel in ways is presenting jane even though she's like she's a basic bitch she's a basic white bitch yeah and the novel is presenting her as a like better match for mr rochester mm-hmm. because she is a wife. because she's a white woman Interesting. and he had previously been married to a not white woman hmm. so yeah that complicates it and he'd been tricked into marrying right and it says uh bertha serves as an example of both the multiracial population of a clean european as she is seemingly able to pass as a white woman for the most part, but also is hinted towards being of an impure, quote, impure race 
since mm-hmm. she does not come from a purely white or European lineage. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a whole other layer of Yeah, like, that you just don't usually think about. Right. Right. And every um adaptation that I have seen mm-hmm. has always had um Bertha played by a white woman. That's what I was thinking. I don't even remember yeah. the fact that she was supposed to be Creole or, you know, mixed race because every every time I picture her, I picture a film adaptation. And it's always been white. Exactly. Which is why representation in TV and film and any type of visual it medium matters. is so important. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Because, yeah, the um, whole, like, the idea of the commentary that she's putting out there is completely lost. And I feel right. like a woman saying not only could a woman be independent and think for herself, even if she chooses ultimately to be with a guy that someone would have chosen for her, but then there's also commentary on a woman who is mixed race, whether or not she is suited to be someone's wife, a woman shouldn't be allowed to think about those things at the time. Like that's a whole nother level of things that they would not have want a woman to think about. Right. And, you know, like as much as we love Charlotte Bronte, this does not reflect well on her. She's a woman of her time. That Yeah, she is a woman of her time. This, you know, doesn't reflect well that she is presented. And like, they they do Bertha so dirty in mm-hmm. you know in this this novel the other characters do, and so yeah yeah it explains the dismissal of the character yeah very much and I think that you could you if you chose to cast that role correctly you could really like look at racism and the fact that she's such a dismissed character in a really subtle way and it would it could be very but right and is she. Is she suffering from mental illness at all? Yeah. Or did he or just is, mm-hmm. not want to be married to her anymore? And so he called was she her. Suffer- yeah. What? Was she suffering from mental illness when he married her? Or did he lock her away and drive her crazy because he didn't want to be married to a woman of color? Like there are a lot of complications that I feel like you could pull from right. if you were going to cast that role in the correct way. I think Bertha needs her own spinoff series. I'll write it. You cast it. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll do it. I I know I would be Grace, mm. the drunk maid. There you go, perfect. That's, that probably has conversations with Bertha and is like, "Hey, girl, I know you're not crazy. Like, it's but like, okay. it's like, let's just drink together. That's what really happens. Bertha and Grace get drunk together, and then they're like, let's go fuck some shit up. Yeah, let's go pretend <laughs> to be ghosts. Yeah, and then they accidentally burn the house down, and she's like, <laughs> "That's what really happened." Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Wikipedia page, the very last thing is that it talks about feminism and how this novel thinking of a woman being equal to a man. And in this, this is part of the the beautiful, beautiful monologue. They even have it on the Wikipedia page. Um, This beautiful monologue that she has um, where she says to Mr. Rochester, I am not talking to you now through the medium of custom conventionalities or even of mortal flesh it is my spirit that addresses your spirit as if both had passed through the grave and we stood at god's feet equal as we are and so just writing that right there you know calling out that women are equal to men yeah was revolutionary yeah it was it was revolutionary for the time and it was something that like mary wollstonecraft mother of mary shelley was kind of one of the well let's say the first woman meaning the the first upper class white woman to be credited 
with, you know, kind of writing about that in Victorian England and making that very public and being a bad bitch. She like kind of uh, yeah. Charlotte Bronte is taking on the the mantle and and kind of like carrying the torch forward of of spreading the word of women being equal. I think that the reason I love this book so much is uh, my th- my thought on fiction is that fiction gives you an unintentional but very clear picture of what a moment can be like. So Little Women gives you an insight into the era, not just by the things they're intentionally putting out there, because like it's meant to teach women lessons about how to be better people and better women and how to be more subservient and whatever, all of the lessons that were expected. But because Louisa May Alcott, similarly to Charlotte Bronte, was they they didn't really believe those things. They really believed that they should be allowed to be equal and independent and all of those things. The way that they tell the story just by their personality gives you this glimpse into a moment in history where things are not quite what they seem. Like, you know, like there are little things that happen where people react to the way that a woman says something or does something or the character, the way the characters interact or what's acceptable way to walk into a dinner party. Like, you know, all these little pieces that happen in fiction because they're trying to paint a picture of perfection that give you insight into the world that existed and what right. they wanted to be. And the I just zeitgeist. think Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Hell yeah. I'm just, I'm so drunk. I'm just now real. And I've only had one drink. I'm just now realizing we didn't <laughs> even take a break. We just like charged. We just powered through. through. Yeah. Oh my God. Ugh. I feel like that's just the kind of week we've had. Like we've both been trucking this week. So yeah, <laughs> it stands to reason that we just powered through this. So this is going to be a very long thing for you to edit. Um, it we've is. We've been on but- here for an hour and a half. <laughs> for an hour and a half yeah i mean a good 10 minutes of that at least was us browsing the bronte sisters photos so that's true <laughs> that's true oh well yeah that'll be fine i have to edit this weekend so yeah yes fine. i'm so excited this was so much fun thank you for for like indulging in this, I love this book yes it's a great book yay and we promise we will cover weathering heights nah someday at it's some point, <laughs> I know I I do prefer Jane Eyre to Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Wuthering yeah. Heights isn't bad. It's definitely plus ten points against Jane Austen. Yeah, yeah, because yes. it's like Jane Austen but creepy. Yeah, the Bronte sisters brought the creep. You know, they did. They did. They brought a little a little spooky, a little mm-hmm, spookiness mm-hmm. into the situation. Yeah, that's good. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been so much fun. Do we have to plug anything at the end? I don't think so. Yay. So we just have our social media. We are two English majors walk into a bar on excuse. Oh my God. I'm so drunk. I can't. I was like, I hiccuped and burped at the same time trying to plug the social media. Oh my God. Two English majors walk into a bar on all social media, numerical two on Facebook. Yes. And I am Christian Lutz on all social media. I'm Kathleen Brumbeck on all social media. Yay. Hey, <laughs> Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar is produced by Kathleen Brumbach and Christian Lutz. Cover art by Bobby Lutz and sound design by Matt Fletcher.